Oh, hoy hoy. Welcome in. This is the True North Fantasy Football Program, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, and we are very proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group. If you missed out on their early bird special, uh, we got you. Sign up to FantasyPoints.com using our promo code 21TrueNorth10. Uh, by the way, I'm Tyrell McLaughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at TNFFTyrell. Follow the podcast at TNFFPod. Unfortunately, tonight we don't have our fearless leader with us. Uh, Travis was unable to join. Follow him at TCL14. If you want to feel for what he's created from, from clay with his bare hands, make sure you're following at TrueNorthFFB on Twitter. That's the best way to stay informed with all the uh, the glorious goodness of uh, the entire gregarious uh, Motley crew at True North Fantasy Football. And I'm ecstatic to be joined by two of the elite members of that Motley crew, Brian Bailey, one of my oldest and best Twitter pals. Uh, you can find Brian on Twitter at the FF Aviator, and that's because he is uh, an aviator, the only pilot I know in the world, Brian. Uh, also joining the program, yo, it's Ellis, uh, Ellis Johnson. You can find him on Twitter at yo, it's Ellis underscore FF. In addition to his stellar work at TNFF, Ellis is also a contributor for rotoballer.com. And I was just thinking, Bride Guy, uh, since you're a fly guy, if we saw Ellis in a pilot's uniform, I straight up think we'd have a catch-me-if-you-can situation on our hands just because he is so young. And that is my friendly way of saying that you're just a, a young and up-and-comer in this industry, Ellis. And jokes aside, I was really pumped uh, to finally get you on, my man. No, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate having me on with the two old guys on the on the show too. So, uh, it's a good. I I'll take in some wisdom. You know, I I I don't like that you're both Steelers fans, but you know, I guess with age, some wisdom has to kind of go out the door. Uh, but no, I, honestly, man, I'm stoked to be here. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, I got some good takes for y'all, and no, I just I'm glad to finally be on the pod. It's gonna be so much fun. No, pumped to have you. Pleasure is all mine. And Brian's, right, Brian? Uh, how are you doing? Pleasure's always mine. How you living? How you're you just got tons of uh tons of rookie drafts always on the go. How are those going? It's going good. All the rookie drafts are done now. Actually, no, one more, one more to go. I'm in the middle of a big startup 13 starter, two QB, two tight end league that's going bonkers. And uh, one more startup auction to go. And then that's it for me for this year. That's it. <laughs> you do lots of auctions? Uh, no, this is actually only my second one. But uh, the last one, I loved it last year and decided to jump on another one. Yeah, they are exhilarating. You ever been ice fishing? Um, no. I said, uh, <laughs> like, we've talked a lot recently just how the draft is behind us. Free agency is behind us. Uh, there's only really smaller ads to account for with these teams now and more or less we have a pretty good feel for these teams and so does vegas and for tonight you know these win totals division winners super bowl odds all these things are in full force across the sports books and this is kind of an annual exercise of mine like diving into this stuff before diving into projections so that's more or less what we're going to do tonight scour these teams win totals uh talk about how good or bad we expect these teams to be and what that means for the players in these offenses and we're going to squeeze in as many of the biggest fantasy questions for you know for fantasy owners along the way uh when it comes to these teams and we'll dish a ton of player value as well and i'm just super thrilled to have you gentlemen alongside me on the program this evening is there anything with the idea of talking some betting uh that's going to come up here should we get anything out of the way before we dive in just because over unders the juice some of it can be confusing to some folks you know it can be noisy for sure um uh, anything we should we should say before we get into it 
Uh, I'm not going to give anybody betting advice with uh, how my bankrolls normally go each year. So, no, not from me. <laughs> I don't, man. From me, I don't usually do the season-long stuff. I find the defenses, the strength of schedule, everything changes so much that, you know, I mean, hey, to each their own, but that's not really my cup of tea at this point. No, totally. But I think I will sober some people up when I give some of these win totals along the way. And I think it is relative to fantasy when you talk about how we might expect a, a defense to impact the offense and things like that. But I also wanted to talk about win totals being a little bit noisy in the sense where you'll hear the win total might be six and a half is how I'll phrase it. But that's really the over under that you're looking at on whatever specific uh, sports book you might be looking on. I'll try and keep it simple. I'll, I'll reference mostly DraftKings sports books tonight. Um, but the one lesson, if you're going to get into betting, talking about these futures and win totals is shop around. And I'll, I'll definitely try and mix some of that into, uh, into the conversation tonight too, but more or less, we'll be talking lots of fantasy and we're going to start with one of probably, probably the best division in football, the AFC East, a division that should yield, I think three winning football teams in 2021, all the sports bookies seem to think so. So to kick off this win total extravaganza, I want to do a quick game of buy, sell, hold uh, when it comes to betting the over for the AFC win totals here. So I got the Bills guys at 11. I got Miami at nine and New England at nine. And remember, 17 games this year. So Ellis, you have to pick an over and under and go Curtis Mayfield on one of these teams. <laughs> I see. I don't really get that reference because really what I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to say... throw in as many that you're not going to get tonight as possible. <laughs> well, I was going to say you know, reason... really quick. We could play a whole game in this division based on uh, the best Curtis Mayfield songs like pusher man would be pushing one of these win totals. Will the dolphins be singing move on up in 2021? And uh, you know, will the Patriots be super fly again? So uh, uh, honestly, man, don't, don't I just mind feel... me, Ellis. <laughs> I just turned old enough to bet. Like I'm new to this stuff, man. I, 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 <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I can do this for a while, but anyways, we'll go into the the teams here. And, you know, I think I might surprise some of you. So I'm going to start with my hold. Cause you know, I really like where the line was set. And I think I like the Miami at nine, you know, everyone knows they're an up and coming team. Everyone knows they're looking good. Uh, and they just managing that team. Well, I mean, I love the waddle pick. I mean, sure. You know, they could have filled another hole, but they really liked the guy. I love the pairing with Tua. Uh, that defense is lights out. Xavier Howard is an absolute stud. So, no, I, I really like the nine. I actually might have had it at 10, but probably something like that. That's where we get a little bit fun. Is I actually want to put my over on New England. I think New England's sneaky this year. And it's just because, man, like, besides, obviously, it's Bill Belichick. They kind of push their chips into the middle of the table. And, like, although it doesn't make any sense to a lot of us fantasy analysts, you know, they, they for the moves that they've made, the receivers they've got, the draft, like everyone they're bringing in, they're linked to Julio right now. Like for some reason, they Belichick, I don't know if it's just a, a spite thing and wants to prove that he can win, but that team looks like they're trying to win. And I trust Belichick. Last year, he's down the talent. Mac Jones, you could argue, was one of the most NFL-ready QBs coming out of this class. Just And like he's, he's a Tom Brady 2.0, obviously not the GOAT, but like that just a statue in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and so that's it. And then, so therefore, by default, I gotta say my under is Buffalo. And honestly, like, I I'm a little bit cold on the entire offense, as I'm sure we'll see as we get into the team and like Diggs and everyone. Uh, I think they're great. I love the team. I love the story. But just you know, Josh Allen, that jump was huge, and it, it looked great. It looked legit. I don't want to doubt it. But man, like, 
he threw 1500 more yards than he did the previous year. I get it. It was a jump, but that's a lot of yards. Uh, he also had, he also had 111 more attempts. That's a lot more attempts. And I think my favorite stat, this will come back to you, uh, the old guys, I was doing some research, is, you know, the only quarterback since 2002 to pass for over 4,500 yards and rush for over 400? You know who it was? Kyler Murray. (laughs) Dante (laughs) Culpepper in 2004 with the Vikings. Nice. So it doesn't, like, passing for 4,500 and rushing for that much, I mean, it's a new game now, but... It is, and Kyler would. I think Kyler would enter that discussion. And you go back to like Randall Cunningham. These are the only guys who have put up, you know, the double threat kind of numbers that you're talking about. Uh, I think that's awesome. Do you have an answer for this one, Bry? Uh, Yeah, I, I, I'm not buying the New England offense. Uh, I'll sell that one. Uh, I think Miami's right around where they're going to be. I like the steps that they've taken on uh, giving to us some weapons and that like Ella said, that defense is legit. Right. So I, Miami is mine as well. Miami would be my buy as well. And Byron Jones going into his second season in that system across from Xavier Howard, that's a scary proposition. Yeah. And then I'll hold, I guess the Buffalo, I, I think they'll be right around that 11 win mark. So yeah, I, I think I'd have to kill the Bills just because you're not getting any volume on there. Call me Uma, killing the Bills. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it just means you, you'd have to bet on 12 wins for the Bills, and that's just tough to do right after that big leap. Uh, I think I have more faith in that offense from a fantasy perspective than I do from, uh, you know, winning a 12-game perspective. And then 10 yeah. wins for the Dolphins and Patriots are both uh, kind of tough sells. I just can buy it more with the uh, with the Dolphins, I think. So I think I'd hold uh, – hold the Patriots. And I'm just looking. So it, you know, if you look at the odds for who wins the AFC East, it does slightly favor the dolphins over the Patriots. So Buffalo is minus minus one fifty to win the division. No money you're putting on that. Uh, Cause it's just not very good odds, but Miami is plus three twenty five, new England plus three fifty. Um, the arg, the other argument for the dolphins is that they have uh, probably have the strength of schedule on their side from all these teams. If you look at it, especially over the second half of the season, um, Maybe I'll circle back to the Dolphins, but let's let's go to you, Ellis, because I want your take with the Patriots then, because they did, like you mentioned, make a litany of additions through free agency, guys even returning through opt-outs from 2020 and, you know, through the draft, adding Mac Jones, who kind of fell into their lap at uh, in the middle of the first round there. So what are you expecting to unfold with Cam and Mac? Because, you know, their skill sets are just on the opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, and then what are you doing with the weapons? I'm talking like Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, pass catchers like Jacoby Myers, Aguilar, Bourne, the tight ends, Hunter Henry, and Johnu. Like, how do we sift through this mess if we think it's a good team? Yeah, no, New England's a real tough one. And I like that you brought up the strength of schedule because they actually, I mean, um, they have the easiest strength of schedule based on wins last year. I think it's 19th um, of the three that we're talking about. Uh, but man, when it comes to the weapons, it, it's gross for fantasy. There's no way to put it nicely. But the fact is that they're all solid weapons. Aguilar actually looked quite good uh, with Vegas last year. And Bourne has always been a, a solid, big body kind of guy in San Fran. Just always there. Um, if we're talking my favorite for fantasy, man, it has to be Damian Harris. Uh, Buddy was averaging, I think it was like over five a carry. He looked legit. He looked good. He had the draft capital to do so. He was stuck beside, behind Sony Michelle. Um I think they're going to want to run and just game manage the, just game manage the entire every single week. I don't think they're going to come in being like we're going to score points. They're just going to try to just play the game. 
And honestly, I don't have any stats to kind of back it up, but I could easily see like a kind of a dual threat with Cam and Mac Jones because Cam looked garbage throwing the ball, but his goal line was phenomenal. His that is goal line running? That oh, is absolutely. I think for fantasy, this might be a dumpster fire outside of that running back. I don't want to touch the tight ends. We don't know. They paid both. We, I don't know who I want to pick. Um, but I could see Cam Newton rushing in because he, I think he had like eight rushing touchdowns last year. He had that Seattle game where he ended up getting stuffed, but clearly like he was the goal line back. His, His arm goal line shot. carries last year would have led the NFL in 2019. He was still top five among all players last year in, in red zone carries and goal line carries. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, why not like sit Jones for a bit, bring Jones back for that big Tampa Bay week four matchup, right? Let's bring in Jones. Let's have Cam run on the goal line. I think it's just going to be a better team rather than, good for fantasy no and i think that's what everyone's worried about like that's why we see the suppressed average draft positions in these in our fantasy drafts just because the volatility or the change to the offense mid-season because mac has come backwards and you know i think both quarterbacks come with their drawbacks as well like we're not even kind of circling either guy as somebody we want to put our faith in that will experience the trickle down effect from all these good weapons in the offense. I don't even think they're super interesting for fantasy. So, and that's my problem is Cam Newton likely is the starter for like, I think of it like he probably is for the majority of the season, just because they likely are a successful team out of the gate. And they're almost a 500 club with Cam Newton last year. And uh, he, he almost can't be worse throwing the ball. Uh, I, I don't know. And it's just, the problem is with Cam, you know, it's just going to be like a power run offense. So uh, I just think that that's tough. What what do, you, what do you think, Brian, from a dynasty lens? Like, you know, Mac Jones playing time is kind of up for debate here. And we already wondered about his ultimate ceiling from a fantasy perspective, just entering this new era at quarterback. So for dynasty super flexors who may not have had their rookie drafts yet, do you think Mac Jones should be a first round pick in that format? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Mac as a first round pick. It's, it's uh, that quarterback position in, in super flex leagues and stuff. It's too valuable to pass up. He has decent draft capital. I know once you get outside that uh, number 10 pick range, there's, there's less. I of a feel like we want to keep this year though with fields and Mac. Jones. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like fields really, you're going to, 11 yeah no i think he has just as good of a chance to hit as and as mac jones and no haskins or whatever yeah right like he's pro ready belichick knows what he's getting because he's always talked with his buddy there at alabama uh he knows how the kid operates the thing is i think you you do invest that first round i don't know if you can plan on him playing this year though because it all depends on, in my mind, how uh, training camp goes. Because I don't see them developing a system and everything. And then where are they going to switch out and go, okay, you know, Mac Jones is developed enough now. Like, we're going to put him in. You can't just slide him into a, a play scheme and a system that you've been running he doesn't run the same kind of offense as Cam does, right? And their bye week was, what, week 14 or something like that? So, I mean, do you switch it up in week 15? I, I just – I don't see it. I, I think you are either going to get Cam for the whole season and that's the kind of offense they're going to run or you'll see Jones to start the season. 
Yeah, that's but, a pretty good call. And that's I think that's what we keep talking about, just how different this offense will look between the two. What were you going to say, Alice? I was just going to say, but no matter what, for like in a dynasty perspective, you're not going to lose out on that value of that first round pick because everybody, even even if he doesn't play, he's going to be worth a first round next year because everybody's going to be like, oh, he's taking over. So now all of a sudden he's a starter for New England. He's been able to be brought up and learn the system. He's going to have that same insulated value. So you take that with the first round. So I have a couple more questions about this AFC East here. I want to ask about Michael Carter, somebody I was high on entering the NFL draft, lands with the Jets, a landing spot we were all intrigued by because of the Gase era ending. And we we like the Robert Sala, baby LaFleur era. That's about to commence, I think. And, you know, the system we're going to see, it's going to look a lot like Shanahan's in San Francisco. However, the Jets didn't take Mr. Carter until the round, you know, fourth round or whatever. Uh, later than we were hoping the Jets would go in on a running back for fantasy purposes. And fourth round draft capital was also lower than I was hoping for, for Michael Carter. So with all that scrambling around in my head, you tell me, Ellis, do you think he's a top 36 running back? Like, is he a running back three with upside or like kind of uh, how, how do you feel for him right out of the gate? And do you think he's a, a valuable guy in dynasty too? Yeah, man, you, uh, you kind of laid out my argument right there. Uh, when we talk about the draft cap, man, that is such a muddied team. Like you, you talk about Shanahan, you talk about the San Francisco and they love running their multiple backs. They go, they bring in Tevin Coleman. They drafted the Michael P. Ryan last year. I mean, different, different um, regime, but I think he has like the same MGM. draft cap basically. Yeah, yeah, same GM. And, uh, and you know, honestly, like I would have been bought in if he was a second, third round pick. And I'm not one to really like really preach on draft capital, but they waited so long that, you know, it didn't seem like a priority to them. And so I'm actually pretty much out on Michael Carter. I like him as the fifth best back in this class. Uh, but, you know, like the, the it's going to be a rotating system. He is a good pass catcher. He's rather small, but, you know, I don't like to ding size. Uh, but at the same time, like they got the other weapons there. We don't know how good this team's going to be. Zach Wilson had probably the most question marks of any quarterback that was coming out of this class. So I just kind of want to avoid it both for redraft and honestly for dynasty too. I do whatever it takes to trade up and grab a Javonta Williams or, um, or do whatever it takes to get sermon. I really think the top four is that much better than what Michael Carter will be. Yeah, I think, and it's weird. Like there's lots of ways he could, contribute you know that depth chart is bare in in new york uh there's no doubt that he also has upside in pa in ppr he also has backers like people like jake seeley really liked him heading into the draft who's an <clears throat> ultra accurate uh analyst um but i think upside is just hard to define and it's really hard to find uh, a definition for it in this offense right out of the gate without knowing how some of the schemes going to unfold especially with zach wilson like scrambling around i don't think he's going to feed a lot of targets to the running back position and I think we know touchdowns are going to be hard to come by for Michael Carter because he's unlikely to to probably ever be the the Jets goal line back. And I didn't even mention off the top, by the way, uh, they're the team I left out of the conversation because they'll be lucky to win six or seven games this year. And, uh, you know, when you look at win totals, they reflect that. So I don't know, like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Brad? Do you like Michael Carter? Because there was a lot of people who liked him heading into the draft. I I thought he was a really good back coming out um i i'm not putting as much into the draft capital aspect like ellis talked about it there like fourth round 
But if you actually listen to one of the pressers, when the staff was talking about it, they said they were thinking about Michael Carter in the third round and couldn't believe that he was falling and then was were super happy that he was there in the fourth round. So if they weren't going to plug that other hole in the third round, they would have taken him in the third round. They had a third round grade on the guy. It just so happened that they were able to use a fourth. So I like him a I'm not knocking him as much on that. The other aspects, yeah, he's a little bit smaller than you'd want from a a bell cow back, but he's shifty and he's going to get work in that passing uh, role for for the Jets, I think. Uh, You know, coming out last year, he was number four in uh, lucid rating uh, from the class as a PFF, number one in breakaway run rate. Um, at you know, he was challenging uh, Javante Williams, like he was, yeah, like yeah. he, 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 they formed a strong stats. Yeah, they, they both put up real good stats. He just doesn't have that frame, but you can't knock anything on his ability. He might not be that goal line guy, but I think he has some dynamite play ability to him, and I'm willing to take a shot on him. And this is a scheme, like we said, you know, we're making comparisons to San Francisco. The one thing we should not be uh, doing is making comparisons with the offensive line, the yards before contact that a Jets running back is going to get compared to a 49ers running back. But I would also say that one thing the 49ers are famous for, Shanahan's famous for, is getting production from low draft capital running backs uh, and having smaller backs like Raheem Mostert have success in this outside zone scheme. Um, But I think whatever we're going to say, it's going to be one of the biggest training camp battles to watch is that Jets running back room uh, as we get into, and we're just so happy we get a few preseason games this year. Um, I wonder if we see any Tua in preseason. I want to ask about top 10 Tua heading into a sophomore season really quick. Um, Kind of a hectic rookie season, but Miami added Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle reunited. Feels so good. But on the other hand, they also, we, we talked about how potent that, that defense is based on that secondary in particular, could be top five unit in 2021. So Ellis, do you think Miami lets Tua sling the rock or will the Dolphins try to run the ball more than we'd like? And who do you find yourself gravitating towards in fantasy drafts from this Miami offense? Yeah, like logically, we'd think that it'd be a running team. You know, we talked about how great that defense is and it, and it is, it really is that good. But in my opinion, what they've done, and I like Gaskin, I think he's good. But it doesn't sound like running's a big focus for them. You know, like it, you think if, if they really want to, they had the draft cap, they could have got they could have got that running back nice and early. They could have traded, they had the cap space for it, they could have done a lot of other Aaron things. Jones, yeah. yeah, exactly. And instead they decided not to. And it was, clearly Gaskin was good, don't get me wrong. He also was uh, I think he was a beneficiary of just pre- of just having like I think he averaged 18 touches a game. Like he was getting a lot of work. Uh, but we also saw Salvin Ahmed kind of come in and he was great too when he played. I think he had two really, really good games out of the four he played. Um, so I guess by default, my answer would be like, I think they're going to throw more than people than people expect. And I think Tua's getting kind of slept on. I know it's not really a hot take. Uh, people are being too harsh, I think, last year. You know, he has the weapons. Adding in Fuller with Devontae Parker is pretty good. Preston Williams, a great contested catch guy. Um, you know, Waddle, I talked about him earlier. I love Waddle and Fuller together. If there's one receiver I want Waddle learning from, I think it's Fuller. As long as he doesn't take any drug advice, honestly, he's going to be flying. So, like, you want some milkshake? 
yeah, exactly. No, I, no, no, no harm on that. But yeah, so I, I like it. I think Tua is going to be better than people think. I don't think about top 10. I think that's what you mentioned in your question uh, for fantasy. But I think he will be a very solid QB2 in this offense. And I think he has the weapons to really do it. What do you think, Briar? Are you on team Tua takes the sophomore step? Because he's only going as like, what, quarterback 15 to 20 range in best ball. So he, he's cheap. Yeah, I I think Tua is going to come out and definitely be better than he was last year. I think like going into the season last year, we didn't even know if he was actually going to play, right? So he Most had people that, thought he wouldn't because of the hit. Yeah. yeah. He he had he was coming off that major injury and then all of a sudden he's in there. I think some of the stuff he was uh, dealing with was lingering issues. He was hesitant about that hip uh, going in. He had, if you listen to some of his pressers, he talked about his uh, wide receivers not being able to separate like they did in Alabama, where, I mean, he, all he threw to was first round wide receivers in Alabama. Of course, they're not going to separate like Devonte Parker and, uh, What's his name? Preston Williams and <laughs> Jakeem Grant or whoever else he got. Whoa, whoa, out there whoa. To grow. Oh, sorry, sorry. Whoa. <laughs> but but now you, you add Will Fuller on the outside. You get Jalen Waddle, who is absolutely dynamite with the ball in his hands, and he knows he can throw to Waddle. I think he's able to open it up a little bit better. Uh, the whole offense is going to open it up a little bit better. I still don't think you're going to get the pass volume from Tua that's going to bring you into a top, like, uh, a, cool. a QB1. Uh, but I think he can get, you know, into that higher, you know, 15 to 13 range with the weapons that they've given around him. And maybe he feels a little bit uh, more comfortable with that hip. Maybe he does do some of the scrambling that we saw out of him in college. You know, when he was coming out, people sort of uh, reference his game to sort of like a Russell Wilson. You know, he can it's move. Watson, Will Fuller yeah. style going on. Yeah, here. so he he can move. So who, who knows? I think I think he, I think we're going to see him open up a little bit this year. I don't think we're going to get QB one, but high on QB two. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. I like that. So before I move on, fellas, I just want to tell people why fantasypoints.com is a resource that, you know, the highest stakes players are using. Number one, it's the creators. If you notice, fantasy sites have higher turnover rates than McDonald's, guys. As quick as you see an analyst make his mark or you fall in love with them, you know what I mean? Like they just seem to move on to another site. Fantasypoints.com is just a collection of the best analysts in the business who kind of banded together starting this outlet that is run by a dozen studs who aren't going anywhere uh, because they're all invested in this thing. They spent first round draft capital. This ain't no Michael Carter fantasy entity here. So, you know, because of how affordable it is, especially when you use 21 True North 10, our promo code, I think Grant Barfield is worth the price of admission by himself. He's got the rookie yards created data just rolling out uh all of that is available on fantasypoints.com scott barfield is doing his delightful data driven dissections daily uh the rookie presser series one of my favorites and uh just pumping out some strength of stre uh, strength of schedule stuff for each position uh that i might even bring up during the show actually because i just dove into all that joe dolan the most accurate in the business in terms of ranking players 
Just had him on last week's show. Uh, Greg Cosell, the legendary John Hansen, Adam Kaplan, Tom Brawley, who uh, just dropped an absolutely fantastic article with all the over-unders and props for all the incoming rookies. Edwin Porras, uh, arguably the best injury analyst in the biz. He was just on the Gold Jackets podcast on Tuesday. We had him on this program a long time ago uh, before he landed with FantasyPoints.com. I would love to reconnect with him. Uh, Wes Huber, almost forgot him. Uh, both he and Scott, both Wes Huber and Scott, were nominated for DFS Writer of the Year. Two of the five nominees for DFS Writer of the Year came from FantasyPoints.com. So I won't go down the, the just the laundry list of tools and stats they offer on the site, but the information you're getting is from the people you really want to be getting it from. I think that's the biggest point with FantasyPoints.com. Shop around. I dare you. There really isn't a better, uh, better deal out there. Uh, and it's also just the best way to support our show as well. So use promo code 21 true north 10. And of course, just keep it glued here because we uh, we are true north, but we're also all about the West. Me and Brian, we got East Coast on. Uh, we're repping the South, mostly D Brown with his, uh, you know, terrific Georgian tones of the gods. But uh, we're going to rep the South right here. Let's go to the AFC South because... Uh, let's get this guy out. There's a clear basement dwelling bottom feeder in this division. Earmuffs, Craig, it's the Texans. They have the lowest win total in all of football. They have the toughest strength of schedule in all of football based on 2021 win totals. Uh, actually, guys, I'm noticing how in vogue tanking is in the NFL. I think we can definitely identify a team or two each year uh, who will be actively tanking. The problem is sometimes it's obvious like Jacksonville. Sometimes it's not. Like, you know, sometimes it's Jacksonville, the Jets. Sometimes it's the Panthers who were also in that conversation last year. Um, Brian, what do you think? Do you think Houston is clearly the worst team in football? And with some of the trends we're seeing, should we still smash the under on a tiny four and a half win total and just be yes. totally avoiding them for fantasy? Yes. Well? Yeah. Yes. Actually, no, I'm I'm not going to totally avoid them because they got to throw the ball somewhere. And I think at his ADP right now, Cooks is still a value. So that's that's the only thing I'll maybe touch there. Even why though they, why wouldn't they trade cooks if they're gonna be I, so I don't know. I, <clears throat> I, I I heard a stat the other day and I can't remember it, but he's one of the only guys to have like he's he's had the longest streak of a thousand yards. Well he broke that, didn't he? Because he did uh like he came in and like he had four straight 1100 yard seasons for a while there but i thought he just broke that maybe not oh uh, maybe not yeah maybe not Disregard. but he is <laughs> he has been putting up a ton of thousand yard seasons in his young career already yeah yeah um so let's go to a team because you know the reason we're not talking a lot of houston in this offseason is because of the quarterback situation is just a total uh, up in the air situation one team that does not have that problem ever again and hasn't uh it's pretty much they they've had that problem in purgatory uh and that's Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, guys. About as close to a savior as you're going to find uh, going to Jacksonville. Brought in his running mate as well, so to speak, from Clemson, Travis Etienne, who is no Kadarius Tony, according to their big swing for the fence head coaching hire, the mad scientist Urban Meyer, uh, who has won national championships at the college level. But he's really uh, sent up some red flags, I'll say, since he's since he's been hired by Jacksonville. Uh, just bringing in Tim Tebow and whatnot. And I know the news was pretty... Uh, sensational like did anybody have to take a coffee break go to the bathroom with the tim tebow news coming out today <laughs> there was more news today what happened today 
he's swole. Oh, he's swole. Wow. Me. Awesome. <laughs> I hope so, so. What has he been doing the last eight years? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All he's been baseball and working out. He's been a pretty terrible analyst too at some at yeah, some oh, points there. Yeah, um, yeah. So the Jaguars have a pretty terrible win total. I think this is one that's super sobering. Just six and a half is their win total. My win projections have them just winning six games in 2021 as well. So I actually kind of want to skip over the Jags just because we've talked about them a lot this offseason. Just talked about them with Joe Dolan last week. I want to ask about the Titans and the Colts because you know, they have pretty high win totals. Indianapolis have won 10 or more games in two of the past three years, and they're projected to do so again this season. Right behind them, though, is the Titans. Their win total, you know, the over-under is, it's going to be nine or nine and a half, depending what day you look, where you're looking. Um, And both teams, I think, are great examples of shopping around if you're going to bet on some of these futures, by the way. Like DK Sportsbooks kind of stand out, that they just hate the Titans for some reason. They are plus 130 Tennessee to win the division compared to minus 120 for the Colts. Making the playoffs, conference, uh, winning the conference, similar disparities. And then the Colts are plus 2,500 to win the Super Bowl. Titans are plus 4,000 to win the Super Bowl. So I have some fantasy questions with these two teams, but... Off the top, do you believe the Colts are the best cut team in the AFC South, Ellis? And is the juice kind of a trap for the Titans? I don't think the Colts are the best team in this in this division. I, like, I think they might be the most complete. I'll give them that. Like, just like their defense is great. They have a great line, run game, Carson Wentz. But let me get into that. I don't know if I believe Carson Wentz is going to go back to what Carson Wentz was doing uh, pre-injury and before, like in his MVP season. He was really, really bad last year. Uh, I remember it because I was watching the Bengals end up tying them, and we weren't that good. And I was like, "Wow, they're just as bad as we are." And yeah. so, like, <laughs> like he's just he didn't he didn't have that. And I get he was been injured and this and that. But I I'm not convinced. Now, if they can just game manage their way through it, they might be able to do it. I don't think the Titans should be any bit behind them when it comes to the odds and everything, you know, in the strength of schedule, I was looking at it before they have um, the Colts are like tied for 23rd and the Titans are tied for like 13. Like that's a pretty big discrepancy. Now I don't read too much into that. I also love the Titans offense, even without Corey Davis. I think Reynolds is just as good. I really like him. Anthony Ferkser has shown enough. Johnny Smith didn't do anything the second half of the season. And Oh man, if we're going to talk AJ Brown later, I could, I can go off. I mean, I know that's not a hot take, but he's my WR1 across all formats right now. So, so yeah, like what, what do you think, Brad? Cause I'm pretty high on the Colts just cause you mentioned some of the reasons, like they do have an elite offensive line and their front seven on the other side of the ball is fierce too. And those are just kind of the most important parts in football a lot of the times, but the quarterback position is definitely where I'd uh, have to, you know, I think I'm way more on the Carson Wentz is not an MVP quarterback side of things. Uh, I think it's kind of ludicrous, but uh, you know, the Titans, I think have just been a terrible defense under Vrabel, which is kind of strange. Uh, and Tennessee just has a lot of new faces to work in to that defense. Um, so like, what what do you think, Brian, who's the best team in this division? I, I think I'm going to go with the Colts. I, I know that uh, Carson Us old Wentz, guys, we know about the trenches, the goal <laughs> line and D lines. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not a, uh, an MVP quarterback at all, Yeah, but he's, he's a decent quarterback and his O line was horrible last year. He was, he was rushed and he was, he was doing shitty play. He was holding on to the ball. He was throwing it away when he shouldn't. 
he was doing well, lots right. of the shitty entire line fell apart yeah but the it was all because the o-line was trash we've seen him play with with a good old line before and he's been more than competent and now he's he's going to a o-line where he's gonna have time he's gonna have a good run game uh to take the pressure off him and i think when julio comes over there he'll have someone to throw to too besides Pittman. so yeah i and and the defense is is a lot better than uh than uh the titans like you said so yeah so i I think we're all sort of in agreement like it's closer than maybe uh dk sportsbooks wants to make it out but uh you know i think the play of carson wentz might determine this to be honest uh this this determination we're trying to make for fantasy it feels like it's going to be a lot of derrick henry and jonathan taylor in these offenses though because like what i'm thinking is ryan Tannehill and carson wentz like this team the colts and the titans they didn't add very many weapons whether it was through free agency or the draft um actually let's just go totally i'm just going to spring this on you guys sorry but what do you guys think about the colts or titans as possible landing spots for julio jones I well, I like I like both of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Not as much as for if I was a Julio manager and yeah, he stayed either. in Atlanta, <laughs> but I I think I think they're great. Another one that I've heard float out there that I really like is the Chargers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, like throw the Chargers in. I think these two teams and the Chargers might be some of the most likely. Maybe the NFC West in its entirety as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I believe the uh, the Titans. Unfortunately, I think they're falling in the odds. But man, if you have you guys seen AJ Brown try to recruit Julio? Because it is mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is fantastic. So I mean, honestly, just for AJ Brown, I kind of want Julio just to go there. But, it's uh, just the I, most glaring need for them, and they feel like like Ballard's not gonna pay a first round pick for Julio. And I don't know what the deal with the Wentz pick is. Anyways, would that you know make a difficult trade for Julio? Uh, so long story short, I think the Titans, even though the cap is a little bit less in their favor with the Colts, I think they're actually in a better position to to land Julio. If Julio thinks they're good. <laughs> 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 Seems pretty set in his way. So what do you guys think about Ryan Tannehill and Wentz then? Like both are going pretty much where they were going two months ago in fantasy drafts, despite both teams kind of neglecting their wide receiver and tight end rooms more or less. So if I say Tannehill is a top 15 quarterback in best ball or redraft and Wentz is a top 20 quarterback, do you think those are fair prices too high? Do you think they're late round quarterback targets? I I, th- I think that's right around where I would have them. Um, I started out with Tannehill a little bit higher uh, than 15, but with them not really bringing in too much uh, for him in the passing game, I, I knocked him down a little bit. But I still think that they're going to run the RPOs enough and he's going to run enough that he is going to have a, a decent season. So... And I, they're close. I I think they're close, but 15 for Tannehill, 18, maybe for once ish is sort of what I I'm thinking right now. What about you? Yeah. I'm pretty similar, Brian, except, you know, I go the other way on Wentz, man. I'm telling you, I'm not digging it. Yeah. Me and Alice are in the same camp here. I think. Yeah. Like we'd go on the other side of 20, like just probably. Exactly. I was going to say, yeah. make that 24. And, you know, now I'm kind of thinking uh, Tannehill, it's tough without the weapons, but man, he's been so efficient. 
his rushing touchdowns were legit last year. And he's not, I mean, I didn't think he was known as a rusher, but when well, he they're going to the be with Derrick Henry in that system. Yeah. Exactly. And internal hired offensive coordinator makes me think that those touchdowns will continue for, uh, for Tannehill. Yeah. And I'm no math major, but I don't think you can quintuple cover AJ Brown and stack the box and then also cover mm-hmm. Tannehill. Like it just doesn't work. Right. Like, don't forget about that tight end who's rolling out. Oh, Anthony Ferkser, exactly, man. I, I don't I think like he'll be too. on. I, I think I think he's got to uh, work on his blocking if he wants to be in at the goal line. I think that's where Ferkser Ferkser owners are going to be sad. Yeah, fair fair enough. I'm just excited just to see kind of what that team can do. But yeah, I, I like Tan Hill. He definitely has. I think there's some sort of stat. I want to say Justin Boone pulled it out in his podcast the other week, and um, and it was that I think. Tannehill has like the second most fancy points since like halfway of 2020 or 2019. I think the last season and a half it's behind like Lamar Jackson for the most fancy points scored. Like he's been crazy efficient and been really, really solid. Um, so he very well could crack that top 12, 10. Uh, it's tough to put him there with the, with the weapons and just the amount of good quarterbacks are in this league right now. So would you like, uh, let's do a keep trade cut then for Tannehill. Uh, let's go Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and Tannehill in redraft. So the last two number one overall picks versus Tannehill in redraft. Uh, you're killing me here with the Joe Burrow take right off the bat. But, it's, a tough uh, one. it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah I think it's tough. <laughs> but I mean, if I was to answer right away, I'd probably say, you know, I, I think I'd be keeping Tannehill. He's, if we're talking redraft, you know, just steady, right? Give me the known. If you want upside, I'd lean Joe Burrow. That's why he might be my trade. So I'd probably see who can get more for. And, or maybe trade off of Lawrence if you get name value. But I'd be cutting him if it was my team. You know, I just, I don't like what Urban Meyer is doing with that team on the offensive side. The Bengals, I know I'm biased, but man, that offense should be flying. Um, what, do, what do you think? I'm going to give you the Wentz one then, Bri, because you're a little higher on Wentz. So Carson Wentz, Tua, or Daniel Jones is your late round quarterback target. Keep trade cut. Oh, gross. Why'd you give me this one? These are tough. Uh, These are the decisions that owners are making uh, every day in basketball, and it sucks. Yeah, thanks for giving it to the old guy. I really appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I'd go... If you want, you can go buy, sell, hold from a dynasty standpoint, whatever you want on this one, because they're they're Uh, actually going in a pretty similar range in dynasty even, like Carson Wentz is up there with Tua in dynasty even. Yeah, I, I I think Tua I'm buying. Uh, Daniel Jones I'm going to sell. Just there is a little bit of hype for him with uh, getting Kenny Galladay and stuff. And I'm going to hold Tannehill then. Steady yep. Eddie. I liked uh, Josh's comment. Like I never like to get into the whole – he's got issues from the neck up thing but i think carson wentz like people were like well why did they make the jalen hurts pick well why is your star franchise quarterback losing his marbles over a second round pick and really going poopy pants over it why do we hear all these things about alshon jeffrey like basically carson wentz has not built a lot of great relationships along the way early on in his career i'll say that i don't think he has problems above the shoulders i think frank wright is a perfect person for him to be working with again but I don't think, you know, he dealt with what happened last year well at all. Um, Okay, A.J. Brown, what do you think, Ellis? A.J. Brown in best ball, you know, because I don't care about Dynasty. It's always A.J. Brown, wide receiver one season in Dynasty. But in, like, a best ball or a redraft, where do you think he's going to settle? Because, like, you could start to argue with, like, Allen Robinson, Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas – 
that was kind of the tier he was in to start the offseason. He's definitely steadily risen up, but do you think he's going to pass guys like Ridley, DK, Devontae Adams, Nuke? Where where exactly do you think he's going to land? Man, I think he will. I mean, not in drafts. I think people will still be cold, but I, I wasn't kidding. He's my WR1 across formats, man. I it, To me, it just makes sense. Everything is there for him for the taking, right? The target share, you give that man the, the 25% target share, the elite target share that he should demand. But he's shown that... Does it worry you that that target share in Tennessee is worth very much less than, say, Cincinnati? But I, I don't know. I don't know if that target share is because I like. Like yes, you're saying that the Tennessee Titans are going to throw the ball 625 times because they ain't. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I don't. About I don't 150 times less than the Bengals. That's true, but but they're way more efficient. I mean, you look at last year. AJ Brown had 11 touchdowns in 12 games. I'm pretty sure. And the thing is, it was kind of like Devontae Adams, and hear me out here, in the sense that there was no one else to go to. He was their end zone guy. He was the, he was making big plays with the ball. He was just – so, anyway, how I see it, you got an elite talent. You got an elite target share. You got a quarterback that can get in the ball on an offense, which, I mean, you two can agree that that defense is not good, that no matter how much they want to run Derrick Henry into the ground, they're going to have to be passing a bit. Uh, I, I just – I think it's all there. I think the touchdowns are there. The big playability is there. Uh, I don't – Adams – is the easy one to give the title of the WR1, but it's hard to repeat. I don't know when the last person to repeat WR1 seasons was. And it's my, I know yeah, that's I think a bad he's my wide receiver five. Devontae yeah. Adams, yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's a bit low, but if, for my opinion, but Diggs exactly. and Tyreek. I think I have Diggs and Tyreek in a tier alone. And then, so I have Diggs, Tyreek, and then I have AJ Brown, Nuke, Adams, DK Ridley in like a next tier. And Michael Thomas is my secret guy in that tier. But I, I think A.J. Brown is definitely a top five wide receiver, even in redraft, yeah. Bri, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I love A.J. Brown, but just not – he's not my top guy. He's, yeah. he's I think he's four for me for redraft this year. So I'm going to give you the tough one again then because I'm, I'm looking at Michael Pittman here. He should be a bigger riser than I think he is. Um, I think it's interesting that he's got a lot of the similar arguments when it comes to having a monopoly on some of the high leverage work, whether it's air yards, contested catches, end zone targets uh, that we were just making for uh, A.J. Brown. But Michael Pittman just hasn't shown it yet. So I'm going to give you an either or. You mentioned you like this guy, Brendan Cooks or Michael Pittman. Oh... <laughs> They both have wide ranges of outcomes. Like both these guys have pretty wide ranges of outcomes. I think Cooks could have uh, more volume there. And I mean, Pittman did look good on the two routes he ran last year. (laughs) Um, I think I'm going to go with the unknown of of Pittman. Just I, I think the upside there is higher than what I think you're going to get, even with more volume to cooks from uh tyrod taylor or fucking mills or whoever is throwing the ball there would you go jarvis landry like a safer vet or would you take the upside play with michael pittman if it's like your wide receiver four uh i'd probably go landry i i I think it's just a, a safer play if if that's what you need for just a, a fill-in wide receiver four guy. Uh, I think the the floor is better there. I, I don't want to shoot for upside for a guy that's not going to be in my lineup all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, yeah. So I'm going to move along here. Just kind of a funky division we were going through there with the Texans in flux, the Jaguars kind of rolling out a bunch of rookies, and the Colts and Titans could uh, could be really run heavy and feels like they're kind of the, the two-man battle for that division and for 10 wins. So the AFC West is where we're going to go next, and that is no two-man battle, uh, although that could be true for who finishes second in this division, I think. But the Kansas City Chiefs are king of this division. Um, with that said, if you want to bet the over on the Chiefs, you're saying that they win 13 games next year, 12 and a half is their over under. So let's skip them. I mean, what's there to talk about? Travis Kelsey, tight end one, no matter what. Tyreek Hill, arguably the wide receiver one, we were just saying uh, overall. And Mahomes is the quarterback one overall for most people. Uh, and a value in MVP odds right now, by the way, you're getting like five to one on him. And I think there's a better chance than five to one that Pat Mahomes is the MVP in 2021. Actually, there's somebody we should mention here now that I think of it because the buzz will start to build, I think, for this kid over the rest of the offseason. So, guys, who is the best value in the third round of fantasy drafts right now? And why is it Clyde Edwards Zulaire? I love I love Clyde. I've in my dynasty leagues this year, I've pivoted off of uh, J.K. Dobbins multiple times and got Clyde plus. Last year, you saw you, you saw like almost worst case scenario, I think. The guy put up like 1,400 yards as a rookie. You add a couple more touchdowns in there that he got stuffed at the goal line, you know, the the first game or whatever, just a couple more red zone touches, and he's a top-end uh, running back one. Uh, I, 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 I love him right, you right think now he gets his ADP. Do you think he has more catches next uh, this year than he did last year? Uh, I, I don't know. I'd like to see them use him in yeah. the, in the passing game more. Cause that's, that's sort of what he was known for, mm-hmm. uh, in that LSU offense with Joe Burrow. Uh, and he's, he's great when you, he's good at catching the ball and he's good in space. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to see them use that a little bit more, but the, the way the chiefs offense is, 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 go to Kelsey, go to Tyreek, or you run the ball a few times or take a deep shot to Pat pulls uh, it down more than people give him credit for it too, yeah. especially on third downs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if you'll see a big uptick in his passing game, which is sad, but who knows? He, he might dump it off once in a while instead of pulling it down and running a little bit. If he gets hit a couple times. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they scheme them up a little bit. We have full training yeah. camps, couple preseason games. Let's see. Um, yeah, I was your million about, dollars there. You want to protect it. That's a good point as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, Denver, I was thinking about the Broncos just because they have a really strong defense, guys. And I really am expecting a big bounce back from this team. And Vegas is too. And they also have the second easiest strength of schedule per sharp football, top five per opponent win totals in 2021. Um And if my team wants to run the ball, guys, those two things are music to my ears, by the way. And the Broncos traded up to select Javante Williams, baby Pookie running back out of North Carolina. So I know I'm packing a lot into this question I'm about to ask. Um, And shit, their win total is eight and a half on DK Sportsbooks, by the way. So, you know, a good team, a good defense. Are we buying that the Broncos are a winning football team? And if we buy some of that stuff that I'm selling here, how interested are we in the running backs? And is it Javante or Melvin Gordon that we're interested in? 
Yeah, I'd love to jump in on this one. Um, and, you know, actually, just right before I do, I found a really good stat. I believe it was Mike Tagliere about Clyde. And it was that, like, if you take his first 11 weeks and add one more rushing touchdown, he would jump up to, like, the RB5 from the RB11. Or something that, along the lines. Yeah. And before was, they added Le'Veon Bell, like, before Le'Veon Bell dressed, he was still, you know, an RB1. Yeah. Exactly. And he is, his touchdown total, I think he was only four rushing compared to, like, Gibson on 11. If you told me that Kansas was going to have four rushing touchdowns to Washington, I would have hit you last year. Anyways, back to your question though. If we're talking Denver, I think Melvin Gordon's an absolute gem of a pick late. I like Javonta Williams a lot. He's might be, he was one of my favorites. I just like the skill. He just looked great. Uh, I like the landing spot. I think in dynasty, I, yeah, I'd be going to get him. He seems to be way behind in some drafts, the Etienne and Harris. And I think it's, it's all him after next year. But because of that, Gordon's kind of getting up, taking kind of a back seat. I, I'm not sure exactly why. He was very good last year. I believe he had like 4.6 yards per carry, and he had double-digit touchdowns. You know, they, they used him. And also, this offense isn't known to just use one back. Uh, Philip Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, I think they combined for like 150-plus attempts last year. So, you know, you can give those to Williams, and Melvin Gordon's still a very just steady guy. I'm not saying I love him, but, you know, he's falling in draft boards. Other than yeah, that, as Javante moves up too, like Javante's moving into that fifth round. I think he's going to settle in that third to fourth round in your home leagues in the redraft. Whereas Melvin Gordon's probably a sixth, seventh, eighth round pick. Yeah. Give me the veteran and, that, that performed and, last year. And you talk about how good they are going to be. You talk about their second easiest, like it's a top five strength of schedule. Any way you shake it out. And that kind of lends to the idea that maybe Melvin Gordon, who likely starts the season as the early down back, uh, kind of maintains that role. Uh, the whole gets hot, stays hot philosophy, even though I'm kind of a big Melvin Gordon hater historically. Um, and it's because he still is going to lack what he really was able to capture in that San Diego backfield for years behind Phillip rivers. And that's the market share. The catches are just, uh, not going to be there with, uh, so many skill players in this offense. Um, and I also, I just worry about like the running back market share in general, I think is going to be low in Denver. Uh, and I also, I just worry about the touchdown totals, uh, for this team, just because, uh, you know, if, is it going to be Melvin Gordon? Is it Javante? I think it probably is Javante um, just because of how elusive he is, but that, that definitely, that definitely remains to be seen as well. Um, Bry guy, what do you think about the passing weapons in this? Cause you know, if they run the ball a lot uh, they have the worst quarterback in the world right now, like even if it's Teddy, even if it's uh what's his face, Drew Locke, um, what are they doing with the pass weapons? Like, are we going to, go in on Cortland Sutton. Is Jerry Judy going to be back on the inside and more interesting? Noah Fant, all these guys have top 180 P's in all formats. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm buying these guys. I'm, I, I like their situation. Uh, I know Cortland Sutton's coming back off injury. Jerry Judy had the most air yards left on the table last year. Um, Fant's coming off an injury, but, Either Drew Locke's going to make a step, he's going to be better, or Teddy's going to be in there. and Or Aaron Rodgers is going to be in there. Who knows with that situation, right? But even, even if Drew Locke's out, Teddy's in. He's not a sexy name. But we saw Teddy produce numbers in, in the Carolina uh, offense last year. With and he supported what three number two receivers or 
Uh, where did Robbie finish? Was he just inside wide receiver I three? He, yeah, like three top 30 is definitely... Yeah, uh, he, he supported numbers. You know, it, it wasn't awesome for Teddy uh, numbers-wise, but those wide receivers were able to do damage, and he has the weapons in Denver to do the same thing. I I, I think the, the offensive... Uh, I can't remember the rank now. Offensive line's a little bit better in, in Denver, too, compared to Carolina, too, right? Absolutely. So he, he, he'll have uh, a little bit more time to throw. I like the scheme. I, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not buying Teddy or yeah. Drew Locke. You know, unless but you're getting you're getting the discount of that quarterback situation baked into the guys like Cortland Sutton, exactly. Jerry Judy, especially. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been going out and buying Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy all offseason in Dynasty. I think Jerry Judy's like the toughest guy from last year because he had like our, I can't remember, but one of the worst catchable target rates. So he had some of the least accurate targets thrown his way. And some of the most air yards left on the table, but then you put that together and it's kind of more like he was getting prairie yards and air yards. And he was also one of the the highest broken tackle rates among all wide receivers last year with a ball in his hands. So I think with Cortland Sutton coming back, kick him back into the slot and everybody wins except KJ Hamlet. But uh, I think Jerry Judy belongs in the slot. Yeah, Timmy P, man, he can play outside. That's my point. Like, so you know, Jerry Judy fits right into the slot. And Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and... Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, that's a mean set of weapons. And uh, Javante and then Melvin Gordon in the back in the backfield. Yeah, yeah so Ty, you actually, I think it's time types. to ask you a question. Sorry if that works out. No, please. Uh, I, I want to know, who do you think does it? Is it? Do you think it's Drew Locke or Teddy B? Who, and, and if we like the weapons, do you think that they're going to be like a low-end QB2? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that we should be talking about these guys more like a Sam Darno where they have all these weapons going high in average draft position. Uh, you know, whereas you think of someone like Carson Wentz, who has like nobody going, you know, these guys have very few weapons going in the in high up in ADP. So I think it's a tough question that's going to actually be a true camp battle in the sense. But I think Drew Locke has the upper hand just because of the familiarity with the system. I think they still owe him, not owe him, but they owe it to themselves to see what they, what they have in the second round pick still. And he has flashed, you know, he's a little bit more mobile, I think, than uh, Teddy. Teddy also has familiarity with, with Shermer's system though. It's not like he's coming in just, you know, blind. He does know the terminology and everything from Pat Shermer's system, the offensive coordinator in Denver. But yeah, I doubt I'll have a lot of interest just because I don't have enough faith in either of them adding enough with their legs. And then I think, the touchdowns, like it's going to be a pretty sporadic offense where in between the twenties, they probably are throwing the ball a lot, but once they're inside the red zone and in the offensive end, I think they're, they're probably looking to run the ball quite a bit and take the ball out of Drew Locke's hands. So, uh, or Teddy. So I think, uh, and, and we saw that with Teddy last year, even interceptions into the end zone and stuff like that. So, uh, I think there will be a lot of volatility with whoever is the starter at quarterback, unless it's Aaron Rodgers, And I don't have a ton of interest, uh, for fantasy, but I am 100 in. Uh, I'm in on Jerry Judy at cost right now. And uh, I think Noah Fant almost marks like the end of a tier. Like, I don't want Logan Thomas. I don't want Robert Tanyan. I hate, I'm sorry, sue me. Um, so I think grabbing a Noah Fant before I have to make decisions like that uh, is something I have actually done here and there in best balls for sure. What about, uh, what do you guys think of the Chargers? Like, we're talking a lot of Broncos here. Do you think the Chargers are a team that we should be more comfortable 
tying to when it comes to win totals and fantasy? Or what, what do you guys think about the Chargers offense? Because I ask because they hired little young Brennan Staley, a defensive-minded head coach, uh-huh. instead of going with one of the numerous offensive-minded candidates that they had that would have really given us faith. I I like them. And I, I liked how Herbert played last year and last season – how many games did they lose in in like the final seconds? You know, Chargers did. Whether well, if the Chargers charger, <laughs> not like Bengals bungling, but a little bit different, yeah. right? So oh, yeah. there was <laughs> sorry, Alice. <laughs> but I mean, they they were right in there with a lot of the games last year. Whether it's poor coaching decision, poor uh, play calling, or whatever, but they got a new. Uh, head head coach and everything in there and i i think they're gonna be better i have faith in them i like the weapons that they've got uh i like the things that they've done i i even like jared cook coming in you know fill in for uh hunter henry i mean he's 95 but i mean we, <laughs> but saw, I'm taking antonio, more we, we saw antonio gates produce at 95 too right so and we're seeing yeah. you produce right now brian no i agree so like what what do you think about herbert though because i think there's a very legit argument for herbert experiencing regression when it comes to touchdowns when it comes to performing under pressure uh there's multiple ways i could point out regression uh that justin herbert is due for after setting so many rookie quarterback records last year so do you have any concerns with him because you know he's probably a guy who's going very high in super flex drafts I, I have no real questions. They beefed up that offensive line as well yeah, they did. with, with uh, getting some lucky falling pieces to them. Um, yeah, he could regress a little bit, but I think he's a lock for top 10. Ellis, what yeah. are you doing with the wide receivers there? Like, do you think Keenan Allen is a value or do you think there's a bit of a market overcorrection from everybody missing on him last year? Do you think Keenan Allen's being drafted uh, at his floor or at his ceiling? And what are you doing with guys like Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, and good Canadian kid, Josh Palmer, who's making waves already? Yeah, I, I really like Josh Palmer. Yeah, I was trying to grab him everywhere for me and partly because, of course, he's Canadian. But... uh yeah, no, I know. I like all the receiving weapons. I love Keenan Allen. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where his ADP is right now. Do you know where that is? Or I don't have it off the top of my head, but he's going like third, fourth round. Like you're not going to find him in the fourth round very often. I'll put it that way. Yeah, give me every bit of that, man. He, he was getting targeted all day. He was great last year. He's consistent. Was he great last year, though? That would be my question. Like he actually had career lows across the board in all efficiency metrics. Uh, he had under a thousand yards receiving, even though he had almost 100 catches. And my point would be that he's not really benefiting from a lot of what we love in this offense under Justin Herbert. In fact, I would argue that he provides less incentive uh, for a quarterback than uh, than going downfield. Like he's almost a hindrance on 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 Justin Herbert in an offense with Austin Eckler there as well, because it's not like he's AJ Brown after the catch, right? Yeah, and uh, he might have had career lows and stuff, but like he was just consistent for fantasy. I remember him putting up; he was ten points off PPR every single week. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, he he earned Herbert's trust. They were just getting targeted all the time. 
Uh, you know, he might've burned you when he uh, said to play him and then got hurt in week 16 or 15 with the championship. Mm. And, like, but he's that also was burned us cool. for years with like horrible touchdown droughts. And like, yeah, he's, uh, he's always exactly. been a bit of a streaky guy and it's, it feels like he did actually have more consistency last year than he ever had before. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I really liked about him. Cause I think you talked about Herbert, the argument can easily be there for him to regress but he looked legit. I mean, we talked about Carson Wentz who didn't look good and then get him a good old offensive line. And now what is he going to do? How about Herbert who was a rookie who looked really good and now give him a great offensive line. What can he do? I think Eckler's fantastic. He's kind of dropping because of all the young guys that are kind of going up, but like, give me Eckler and PPRs over like Antonio Gibson. Give me him over Dobbins. Give me him over Dave Montgomery. Like he you is my two it. favorite targets in the second round, Antonio Gibson and Eckler are like my two favorite running backs in the second round right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I'd be taking Eckler just on the PPR upside. I like the offense, you know, the defense. I just is the offense so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the thing is I actually just wrote uh, I wrote my outlook for Mike Williams for the Rotoballer draft kit. And uh, it's weird because the opportunity is perfect for him. Like <laughs> you got a young QB that slings it. You got that deep threat. He is like the only one that's known. I mean, yes, I love Josh Palmer as a hold in dynasty. I don't think anything of the other guys, but like he is, and he has the talent. You can argue he's the best contested catch player in the NFL, even though it gets him injured. Cause he just jumps up and says, yeah, let's go. Oh, I um, totally argue against that too. He was just like, Every yeah, he time. was he was so bad in the end zone last year too. Like people were like, "Yeah, he's a good contested catch guy." I don't know if they watched the end zone targets for Mike Williams last year. Matt, I've I've seen him make some clutch plays. Remember when they played Kansas yeah. two years ago and yeah. he, he and seen Calvin Allen Benjamin make them too. True, <laughs> not as a tight end though, so we'll have to see that one. Well, I just uh, think the writing might be on the wall for Mike Williams with the addition of Josh Palmer. It is the final season of his contract, and honestly, the platoon of Tyron Johnson. And uh, Jalen Guyton was almost more effective than he was last year. Uh, and he was very ineffective in the end zone. I and that's the thing. I, I won't let that down. Sorry. He, he played, I think he played a full season for like the first time in his career. And he that's ended up point. like the receiver, like 45. That's like, and, that, and that's what I found so weird when I was kind of looking into him. It's just, you know, that like opportunity is honestly, it's golden for this guy. Yeah. And I love taking him as a flyer late round. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about rugs and Marquise Brown kind of later, but like, you know, those big play kind of guys, because the opportunity is, it's perfect. It's just, it hasn't come to fruition. So I wouldn't say it's this year, but you know what? You never know. Yeah, I wasn't even like super planning to talk about the Raiders, but you know, just because they have one of the worst strength of schedules in all of football, the worst uh, weeks one to 17 per sharp football. They do have a win total of seven, which I thought was interesting just because Denver, LA and Kansas City all above eight and a half uh, and allegedly worse schedule. But I'm open to talk about whether... Uh, the poor schedule, the low win total would actually benefit the offense or fantasy owners. Like maybe we could talk about Henry Ruggs owners hoping for that sophomore step. Uh, Josh Jacobs has that truth or army, but Kenyon Drake is there now. Um, do you guys think the running backs are avoids? Do you prefer either of those guys at their ADP? And then for the passing game, is it Waller and then just a bunch of avoids? Or are you going in on guys who have that that potential to give you those spiked weeks or spiked or high variance seasons? Uh, I think for the most part, it's Waller or bust for me. Uh, they might've brought Drake in because it's a 17 game season this year, the extra wear and tear, they might want to, um, just have another backup 
to spell off Jacobs. I mean, he hasn't always been the pinnacle of health throughout his career either, right? So just to take a little bit of the wear and tear, but when he was in, he was he was getting volume. Um, and it's not like Devontae Booker wasn't in there getting touches last year, right? So Drake could just be filling that role um, with a little bit more, but you'll still get some volume for from Jacobs, but the rest of it, I'm not really, I'm not touching Smokey Brown. Um, I kind of like Smokey Brown. I'm, I'm, cost, I'm, yeah. I'm still holding out hope for uh, Brian Edwards with, because I have right. him totally like 60% roster ship on my dynasty teams. But uh, no, I, but I'm not expecting big things, but I'm looking for a jump. But even if, if he takes a step forward, I'm not expecting big things for like in a redraft sense. Ellis, are you buying any of the Kenyon Drake might be used at wide receiver uh, narrative? And uh, you know, you, you mentioned rugs, is he a target of yours late in drafts? Or do you worry that maybe Derek Carr takes the path of least resistance again? And it's actually John Brown benefiting from uh, any deep targets. Yeah. I, I love that you poised that to me. Cause honestly, I, that was kind of my thing. I think there's going to be another weapon in this, like, especially in the passing game, like obviously Waller bona fide study is going to get the targets. He's going to be really good, but I think it's going to be someone. And I don't think it's Brian Edwards, but you could keep hoping, man. Uh, <laughs> I totally fucking forgot about him. I think that's so funny. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I, and that shows you, but like I, we mentioned Egler before, but Egler was the WR 29 last year. Like there is another role for another weapon. Now it's either in my opinion, you believe rugs takes a step forward and maybe it's rugs or, you know, Smokey Brown's been fantastic relatively and i think it might be more about car to be honest would be my point like i honestly think this is more a Derek carr thing than anything yeah exactly and we've seen car support receivers in the past you've seen him with amari cooper i believe there was a while ago and i'm not saying these guys are amari cooper but i believe there was a stat that like he has one of the more uh precise deep target quarterbacks and yeah but the thing is he's just not taking that shot very often especially into tight windows would be the big thing like if you marry deep target rates, that's always been a big problem. And then he elevated his deep target rate last year. We were all happy with Derek Carr's numbers on passes downfield, just not to Henry Ruggs, because clearly it was, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar demanding, commanding less attention from the defense. So that would be the path of least resistance. It wouldn't be a tight window throw, whereas the one to Ruggs would be. So he would take the one to Aguilar. And I worry that might happen again, just because it is Derek fucking Carr. And if there's anybody who better reflects that we just are coming off the highest scoring season in NFL history. It's Derek Carr's career year, in my opinion. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I, you know, as funny as that is, I mean that like 100%. Oh, and I also just hate man. Gruden, hate Mayock. I just like really don't like the environment, I guess. Like they, we all came into this draft. We're like, they have a big task ahead of them here. They can't blow this. And then of course they went off the board with their first pick. Like, we're just like really? And, and to replace an offensive lineman after they just eviscerated their offensive line and got a fifth-round pick in return this offseason. So I don't yeah, know what they're doing in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, It's a tough team to see the value, and I couldn't agree more with what you said. I mean, that draft was just horrendous. Uh, but no, yeah, for a late round, I'd be taking my shot on your favorite, personal favorite of Ruggs, John Brown. One of them, had they have the role to be productive. You want to take them over Mike Williams and stuff. like It's that kind of tier. Uh, then it briefly on for Josh Jacobs, you know, Brian brought it up. And they have such a plethora of backs, but the thing is, is outside of Jacobs, they're all passing backs. 
it's like old man Theo Riddick. It's Jalen Richard. It's Kenyon Drake. Uh, I believe kind of, and I think it's a lot like Melvin Gordon, who we just talked about too, where, you know, there were a lot of other backs that were getting touches. I know they, I think they had over 115 attempts uh, and they combined for like four TDs, just like on the ground, the other backs that weren't Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs in the past game had below a 40% target share for the running backs. So that's he was doing crazy. it. That's yeah. So exactly. And, and and people wanted that to step up, but the fact is, is he was still a top. And it did. RB. That's the status part. Like he did see an incremental jump in receiving work from his rookie season to his sophomore season. And that's what I was writing about last year was that we love Josh Jacobs. I love Josh Jacobs, but he's just Joe Mixon 2.0. He's just not going to get the receiving work without the receiving work. He's not going to be an RB one. So don't draft him as a high end RB two. Like it's just his ADP was just so bad last year, but if he's going in the fourth round this year, maybe Josh Jacobs, uh, yeah, that's the running back dead zone. Yeah, it's a, a risky proposition still, but you might be able to stomach that a little bit more if you can have uh, a high-end running back on your roster already, especially if it's like an Eckler or somebody who's giving you those receptions in your running back room. I was going to say, give me him in the third all day long, man. We, we've yeah. seen him do it with a smaller pie and just control the groundwork. You know, he, there's not many backs that are going to get that kind of touches. Like I said, kind of like Melvin Gordon. It's just we've seen him with a smaller workload. Less risky, I think, than Gordon. But, yeah, no, I'm all over him. Okay, guys, we're going long. We have got to do the AFC North for sure. Um, yeah, I try not to broadcast it, but it's been slipping this whole episode. Me and Bry Guy, Steelers fans, and you poor bastard, Ellis, are a Bengals fan. <laughs> so... Let's just get it out of the way, actually. Let's go around the horn with win totals. I'm going to set the bar at 10 wins for Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Your Bengals don't get to play in this game. Um, are you going over, <laughs> under, or push for 10 wins for the other three teams? I actually didn't even mean that as an insult. It's just they don't have – they can't win 10 games. <laughs> it's funny because you say that and you think Pittsburgh can. But I no I, see I I was kind of soft like I I think they're the clear team that like if what doesn't belong here out of those three I think the Steelers would be objectively saying that for sure yeah Un unfortunately the other Steelers fan I think that would be my under as well I I'll take uh, the push for Baltimore and I think Cleveland hits the over. Whoa. So you're kind of reflecting the market. So it's been interesting to watch these kind of fluctuate throughout the off season, just because Baltimore has steadily come down a little bit in their win totals and their Super Bowl odds. And, uh, the, the Browns have steadily risen because they had a strong free agency, a pretty decent draft as well. Um, so Cleveland was kind of, I think they're sitting at 10 right now in the sports books and the Ravens are at 10 and a half, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, the Steelers are kind of that third wheel. They're the the team in the division just tagging along on the Ravens and Browns date night. Uh, basically, they've uh, they've been below the other two the whole the whole offseason, too. But as of yeah, so this is as of Tuesday, the Steelers are eight and a half. That's their win total. The Ravens and the Browns have ten and a half win totals. So, you know, I, I think it seems like a little bit of a trap when it comes to uh, the Browns just because. No, nah, I mean, they probably are the best team in this division, maybe. But I think the Browns and Ravens are the clear best teams in this division. But I do think the national media, as always, is a little bit disrespecting the Steelers and just the impact an elite defense can have. Like, eight and a half wins is the same as the Broncos. I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, like, I agree they're the third best team entering the season in this division. But I think, uh, you know, it, I just don't know if they're two wins worse. And, yeah, it just seems like... We make money year after year betting on the Steelers' win totals on the over. And the Browns, so I'm just looking at the 
Yeah, so I, I'm I'm putting money on the Steelers to win the division. They're plus four hundred. That is better prices than you're getting on like the Dolphins and the Patriots. Yeah, to win their division. Man, um, I hope you also put money on them in the playoffs last year. I did not. No. No. Um, <laughs> I don't see how you think an insult about the Steelers' playoff performance could ever like skate against the Steelers fan when you're a Bengals fan. It just seems so like. Oh no, you know, no, man, we're terrible. Hard, in the to, hard to make that that call. The thing um, with the this thing with the Steelers that I think the other teams in this division might be smelling blood, and I I love Mike Tomlin honestly, and I love Najee Harris and Chase Claypool. Like I like some of the pieces, um, but losing to the Bengals with Ryan Finley, I think that like I think a lot of this might have been confidence booster. Now I'm not one. To, I I get it. I'm not saying we're going to do that once a year. That's what I was. Hey, yeah, like, you know, Ryan Finley awesome. just got cut by Houston, and yeah, Houston but Ellis do, doesn't do you have a quarterback. That, like, Smelling blood isn't a thing. What's a thing is that the Bengals are just a disastrous franchise. So when you go to play the Bengals, you just know you're going to win and confidence is everything. I, I truly believe this. Being an Oilers fan, I've experienced it for 10 years straight. Teams came into our building and just walked out with a win like it was nothing. And it's because they are so confident when they walk in that building. I think yeah. that's more of a thing than somebody smelling blood with the Patriots last year or well, something. Like it's just, I don't buy that narrative. Coming from a Bengals fan who doesn't know how to win in the playoffs to you as a Pittsburgh fan who just lost in the playoffs and an Oilers fan who just got swept in the playoffs. Like, it just happens, man. And the, th and the thing with the smelling the blood is because of Cleveland. I think Cleveland now, like, they, they looked so much better in that second half that I think they got some mojo. Baker Mayfield's a big mojo kind of guy. Like, you just, just look at his performance, look at his confidence. Um, and so, I mean, if I was but to But it won't the because they're smelling blood. It'll be because... Baltimore, Cleveland are clearly better teams, is what we're saying than Pittsburgh. Well, I think yeah, if anyone's smelling blood, it's the Steelers and that elite defense and that pass rush that was setting records last year. Oh, absolutely! I don't even want to think about what TJ Watt's going to do to Burrow. Like that's that's in my nightmares. I don't want to think about that. But I I do think that defense is really good. I'm worried about Ben. I'm worried about his arm. Um, do I think he beat the Steelers? He beat the Bengals twice. No, I'd hope we go one and one. But you know, it hasn't been history. So like, I can give you all that. But well, I think let's Baltimore bring the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Like Baltimore, Cleveland are definitely the teams that you're you're betting on for this division. So let's let's bring the Bengals in just because they have a six and a half win total on DK. So do you think they're a seven win team, Ellis? And if not, should we expect like a similar story in terms of a very pass heavy offense in in Cincinnati? Man, you know, I always use funny. You've been betting on the uh, Pittsburgh over making money. I'd be betting on the Bengals under and be making money the last few years. You I've know, been doing that as long as Mike <laughs> yeah. Brown's owning the team, I'm still doing that. I hate to tell you, <laughs> but here's the thing is I don't think I, I don't want to just be a homer, but I don't think the six and a half is that high, especially when you're playing an extra game this season. And like I said, you know, you guys seem to get defensive with Ryan Finley. He did just get cut by Houston. And we didn't get defensive. It's just that you got to know your history. The Steelers just always blow a ridiculously oh. hilarious game every single year. <laughs> and it, either way, it's it's Ryan Finley. And point being is we lost our quarterback, right? And it and we still I think we pull off five wins, which was way more than I was expecting, right? Like we beat Atlanta at the end. You guys won on the road. Yeah, like we were looking good. So I think six and a half. I mean, the fact that like I just adding Joe Burrow and then saying we win two more games with an extra game being played. You know, I, I I like it. I like that for us. I, I think I think Burrow's going to be huge. You know, huge fan. Love the draft that we had. Uh, but yeah, no. I just I think a big part is you know just saying that they get an extra two wins after we lost Burrow. Like easy. Ellis, Ellis, have you gone through the schedule though and like looked at it and counted it? Because I did just because I knew this was going to come up with you being on this podcast. I can't see them getting over five wins. 
Well, we know the Steelers always blow, blow one bad game. The Bengals yeah, well, have a really terrible schedule. I was going to say, I'll, I can't see them getting over five, and then they'll always be one that you don't expect. So I don't – I'll give them six, but I don't I don't see them getting over six and a half. Yeah, I, I think it's tight. I like – I wouldn't be betting the over, let's put it that way. I mean, I'd be leaning that way partly because, obviously, I'm a fan. But uh, it's it's because of the division. I mean, I think that's the whole division because it's just a powerful division, and the oh. Bengals aren't horrible. Like, I mean, we're bad, but – our division you know, alignments got much worse too. Like last year, the AFC North got super lucky. We had some of the best strength schedules in our division. This year we go to the worst. Yeah, exactly. So I, <laughs> cause I think all of us are top 10 in the hardest schedule or whatever. Like it's just going to be a tough division. So, and division games, you never know who's going to win. We took on uh, Burroughs. What was the second, third game of his career, put Cleveland on the ropes. And I thought he looked great. I love that game. Like that to me, looked amazing. Um, you like, I could see us sneaking one there. I could see us sneaking one against the Steelers. I can, like, I can see this kind of stuff. I know that hurts. Yeah. But like, but I, I, I can see like this a, Yeah. Like, and, and that's fair. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's fair. And we all do that for sure. But there's also games like the Bengals travel or they play, uh, the Jaguars on a short week, uh, on a Thursday not, night game. Yeah. Like that's I, not I, a gimme, right? Like that's the one that you're going to mark down as a win on their schedule when you're doing projections. But, um, you know, it's a tough one still. Yeah, oh, it's I mean, week. we just don't know. But that defense is bad. The one thing we got going for us is our offense. And I, I have a feeling we're going to be moving on to the Jamar Chase topic. And, man, like, I love that pick. And this our offense could be flying. I mean, if the Jags' defense is as bad as it should be, we should be able to – I would think we could rip that up. Well, uh, I think we also play, the Jamar, like, the Lions. Yeah, and I, I think the Jamar Chase pick was pretty big. Like, the Bengals and Zach Taylor, we know they're going to lean heavily on wide receivers. In the two seasons he's been the head coach, the wide receiver market share has been close to 70% in both seasons – top five in targets both seasons, the wide receivers, but the Bengals have also been bottom five in both success rates and yards per attempt when targeting wide receivers since Zach Taylor took over. So I wouldn't mind first just kind of sorting out these three wide receivers because Jamar Chase coming in gives them kind of this wide receiver room out of nowhere now to accommodate that volume more so than, than they could in the first two years under Zach Taylor here. But for fantasy Ellis, do you think Jamar Chase comes in and gets like alpha treatment day one in Cincy? And then what do you think about the number two? Is it T Higgins or is it, is it Tyler Boyd? Man, I think he comes in as the alpha and I'm saying that off of looking at the practice at OTAs. I think it was yesterday and Joe Burrow stayed for extra reps after, and you know who he stayed with? He stayed with Jamar Chase. Those are the, and he just threw passes. And I think it's going to happen a lot. Not saying that means everything. That's the first day of OTAs, but I love the pick. He is, I was all over him in dynasty, even before he went to the Bengals. That was just an added bonus. I thought I love the talent, what he did on that team with LSU. I think he had a third of their touchdowns. He had 20 touchdowns of the 60 Joe Burrow threw. Like he was just phenomenal. So I think he walks in the alpha. I think Joe Burrow also for pushing him over Sewell will want to make him the alpha. I think there's a part of that. I also like Higgins. I also like Boyd. Now, when we talk about fantasy, that doesn't really work out too well. And I think for Chase to become fantasy relevant, he's going to have to have that just like really fantasy relevant. He's going to have to have that Justin Jefferson season. He's going to have to have that second half of the AJ Brown season. Um, and he was ahead of Justin Jefferson. I think it's in the realm, but really if we're being analysts here, you can't bank on a revolutionary season. So maybe it's a slow start and he picks it up. I'm not too sure. But I think it's a heavy three-man uh, three-man committee here with Boyd probably being my number two just for steady in the slot. And then it's going to be, is it a Higgins week? Is it a Chase week? I did some research looking back at um, at the Cowboys. 
So while Dak was there for four for five games, I believe he played. I think it was only two of the two of the five, which isn't actually that bad. Um, did he have two top twenty-four receivers? And that's with obviously CD Cooper and Gallup had a receiver seven week in that span too. It's hard to get the production for more than one of your receivers. So it's going to be tough it, to draft. Just coming from a Steelers fan who watched the the Juju Deontay. Uh, disgusting, like everyone loved it. I hated it. It was just disgusting. Um, but yeah, these guys were top 24 wide receivers on volume alone uh, throughout the second half of the season last year. And worst case, I think these three guys can be like top 36 wide receivers, all three of them, just based on the volume that we're likely to see in Cincinnati alone because of that low win total, because of that terrible defense. And because, uh, you know, me and me and Brian are big Tyler Boyd fans. We've always been Tyler Boyd stands. And, yeah. you know, so I don't want this to come across as like, you know, uh, a little bit take lockish, but I don't think he's affected very much by Tyler Boyd, uh, by uh, Jamar Chase coming in for a few reasons. Uh, but most of all, just because they didn't add that offensive lineman. And because I still think they have one of the worst offensive lines in football. So if Joe Burrow is under pressure, he's going to need to get rid of the ball quicker. And that's going to go to Tyler Boyd uh, because I'm sure he's sick of throwing up some of those prayer yards that he did to AJ Green last year. It just didn't work out. So, you know, he has that connection with Higgins. Can it be a Higgins and Jamar Chase? And maybe the connection compensates a little bit for that. Yes, I do expect that. Um, but I, I, I think Jamar Chase is very fairly priced. You know what I mean? In that like fourth to sixth round uh, in, in redraft. And I'm pretty, pretty bold on him in dynasty, but I think dynasty might be where his value jumps the shark a little bit, just because all three of these guys are locked in for the foreseeable future. And, you know, it's a pretty manageable, awesome wide receiver room for the Bengals going forward. That's for sure. I think, I think having chase there muddied the waters uh, a bit, you know, for the people that were hoping for big seasons from T Higgins coming into uh, his second year. And I see, like you guys were saying, I think this is going to be a split. Like even last year, you look at the target distribution to the wide receiver uh, position there. You know, you got T. Higgins had 105 targets. Tyler Boyd had 108. A.J. Green had 101. Like they were, it was spread out there. That's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm sure, you know, uh, Jamar Chase would, probably command more than AJ Green, especially the way he was playing last year. He'll leave a lot less on the table too. Yeah. Yeah. He'll leave less on the table, but I, I can totally see them spreading this whole thing out. And I, I love Jamar Chase. I love him as a talent. Uh, I think he's up there in dynasty, but I don't think he's going to be the number one wide receiver going into this year. Uh, for the team. I still think it's going to be T Higgins. I think he's a bigger body, better red zone threat. And I know Jamar Chase does some crazy, awesome catches and stuff. And he really knows how to position his body when he's going up for those contested catches. But you do have a bigger receiver in T Higgins and they don't have a tight end. And I could just see T Higgins having a few more red zone targets and just a couple more touchdowns, and that could put him just slightly ahead of Chase. I think it's going to be spread out, though. Yeah, I think that's a hot take, and I like it. Like, I think I that's a hotter take that I really like. Like, I think people – that's that's probably my take. I'm stealing it. Like, I think instead of going <laughs> Jamar Chase in the court, you know, you should take the cheaper option of T. Higgins. Like, it's almost an arbitrage in that own offense. And uh, 
I think the other thing is if T Higgins or Jamar Chase was to get injured at any point this season, the other one is like, like I'd be trading for that player immediately uh, because the other guy's going to go off. Um, I want to keep going through this for anybody else though. I have Boyd everywhere. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's cause he was free once upon a time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've talked about this division and uh, we are talking about it off air and it's just, uh, there's a lot of ambiguity, like in terms of the weaponry for fantasy football in this division. And Ellis, this is kind of your brainchild as I start to kind of pit these guys against one of one another. Uh, so I don't want to go big salad on all the listeners here. Um, I know you'll get all my Seinfeld references, Ellis, but I'm glad we established a baseline for the Bengals because when we pit these guys against each other, we kind of need that. So what do you think, Ellis, for Jamar Chase or Deontay Johnson as your wide receiver two this year? Man, you put, you put this in the dock, and I've been doing a lot of thinking on this one because <laughs> it's tough. Uh, you know, as an analyst, once again, we're, we're talking about how you, it, it's hard to bank on the outliers, right? Devonta Smith being small, that's an outlier. Right? It's hard to bank on um it, J- justin jefferson and expect that from jamar chase that's kind of the thing i don't see how the answer here is not deontay johnson we've seen it we saw the targets i think as a wr2 you're talking about starting him every single week if you're starting him every single week i don't i'm not going to take the risk of having chase in this three-headed monster uh, however if you're talking about your wr3 and you only start two i think i take the upside with chase i'm worried about ben i'm just i just am personally uh, and, you know, just taking, just taking that upside, that upside shot. I have Chase ranked quite aggressively because I, I think that connection is going to show it. I, I think Joe Burrow is going to show it. However, I don't know if it's going to be right from week one. It might take half the year and then, then pop off. Uh, so I think just because of that, if you're locking him in as the number two, you might say he finishes a top 20 receiver, which I haven't ranked. But I don't think that starts week one. I'd love to see it against that bad Minnesota secondary. But, you know, I got to try to be real here and give me Deontay Johnson as my WR2. Yeah, and if anyone thinks I'm a homer, just go ahead and look at my rankings for the Steelers wide receivers in any format. I think that would uh, curve anybody's idea that I'm a homer because I'm very low on Deontay Johnson and very low on this next guy, Juju or Tyler Boyd as your wide receiver three, Bry guy. Uh, I It's it's really close, but uh, I I know you hate him but I think Juju has just a little bit more touchdown upside. It's so tough though. Cause like Boyd catches everything in the red zone when it's thrown to him. Mm-hmm. So it, but he only, what do he have four touchdowns last yeah. year? But last year, I, like I, I think not a touchdown guy, he, he gets yeah. his points off volume and, and the Bengals aren't successful in the red zone. Like they yeah. just weren't a good red zone efficiency team. Like, and, and we, I think we might continue to see that unless that AJ green role that was left on the table, like the end zone targets for AJ green were just so horrific um, that someone needs to make that successful. Cause T Higgins was already good on his. So whoever comes in and fills the AJ green role in the end zone as that other guy uh, needs to offer a lot more efficiency than AJ green did. Yeah, Brian, I'm curious about this here. I want to hear a bit more. Just sorry, you're talking about how you don't think Chase affects Boyd that much, but then you're putting Juju ahead of Boyd without Boyd being affected and that offense. I just, I don't know, man. Like, it seems weird having Juju ahead of Boyd, in my opinion, if you don't think Boyd's going to be affected uh, by the addition of Chase. No, I, I, I thought he was affected, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think I was the I one who no, said he was. I, I, I was no, being a little hyperbolic. Like he definitely, you know. This year, if you read my tweets and stuff last year, I had Boyd as a wide receiver too. So, no, that, fair enough. Sorry, sorry for mixing y'all up. I just see Steelers fans, and, and I was kind of being hyperbolic, anyways. Like we should, yeah, make that clear that he likely does experience a down downtick in volume. Like if Tyler Boyd hits 100 targets, he should be very happy. But I think yeah. he can. <laughs> I, I see both of them, like Juju and Boyd, as like they're going to be right around the same sort of range of like uh, Agreed. Uh, 75 receptions and 800 yards or somewhere in there. And it's only going to come down to who has more touchdowns. Like if Tyler Boyd has four and Juju has six again, it's going to be Juju. And it, it's going to be very close. I, I I was just saying which close I had slightly above. So speaking <laughs> no, of close, I, I, I completely agree. Sorry. I have these guys ranked pretty close. Hollywood Brown, Jarvis Landry. If it's your wide receiver four, who are you going with? Uh, how many flexes do I have to start? <laughs> <laughs> you have you have to start three wide receivers and one flex spot on uh, this team. Okay. Um I might go Hollywood just for the upside. I know earlier I said I'd go Jarvis for the safety, but I, I think I might go Hollywood. No, I agree that like I made this one in the sense where you there there should almost always only be a right and wrong answer here, where you should almost always take the upside if it's your wide receiver four or five. But I am like that uncertain about Hollywood. Like I just don't know if he's gonna have that big season. Like he's gonna give you four or five big weeks, but I just don't know when those are going to come. Yeah, and I mean, call me Mr. Rookie here, but man, Rashad Bateman is a great prospect, and he's stepping in there. I think Lamar Jackson might rebound a bit. I, I, I'm agree. If you, if he, oh, I think depends, Lamar's rebounding. Yeah. Well, yeah. exactly, and, and if if you're talking about your bench, if you're on your bench, it's hard not to go with the upside of what Hollywood Brown can bring. But it depends on your top receivers, right? If you have, if you, if you're locked and loaded, and you got that flex, then yeah, I'd go Brown. But you know, I think Landry might finish better just because I could see Bateman as a small pie. Bateman might take some. Andrews is going to rebound. Lamar Jackson should rebound. Uh, like, I don't know. I, I'd probably lean Landry, but I don't like saying it. No, I think I lean Landry too, just because I'm that uncertain about uh, about Hollywood. So rank these guys. This is a tough one. And uh, maybe we'll do the running backs in this division too, because the running backs are probably in the argument for who we would have ranked the highest among all players in fantasy from the AFC North. But let's do these wide receivers, and then I have one little uh, hiccup in here. So T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, OBJ, and Mark Andrews. We got to rank those four players. Uh, OBJ, T. Higgins, Andrews, Claypool. Ugh. Yeah, I know that's a that's a tough one. It depends where you like what kind of tight end premium we're playing, right? With Andrews here. Uh, you know, based on my rankings, I just I gotta go what I have, and I have Chase first. Uh, I got Chase followed by Boyd and Higgins side by side. Uh then I mean Andrews, it's just tough to rank a tight end in this. So I mean, I'd probably put him with Boyd and Higgins, take your pick of kind of how you want to sort that out. But I am not a fan of OB. I'm not a fan. He's getting hurt. I I like Landry like we just I'm kind of relatively like Landry. I he, We haven't seen it with Cleveland. And then Chase Claypool, as much as I love the Canadian from Abbotsford, it, I, if, ben, if I think Ben shot, 
or is getting there, it's hard to see how the wor- how the one who's going to be affected most isn't Chase Claypool. But yeah, I'm not a big OBJ, Bri. Why why do you like him? I I I'm I'm not big. I'm not huge on him. Like the injury concern is definitely an injury concern. I just I think when when we did see him last year, he was commanding a huge target uh uh, percentage of that passing game and yeah the, they didn't have uh, a lot of touchdowns in the games that we did see him in but we did see him blow up and I think he has the highest upside if uh, if he's healthy for the whole season I, I I can see how someone would possibly want to uh pick someone else over him just because of the injury risk. But when I'm making my picks, I'm generally not putting injury risk into it because I did that last year and I took, I I didn't draft Dalvin cook at the one Oh five, you know, and I kicked myself for that in, in a couple different leagues, you know, um, so I, I just think OBJ out of T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, and Mark Andrews, out of those four, I think he has the highest upside. Um, and that's that's why I went with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think in my head, though, just what we've seen with Baker, I think you have – I mean, you take Higgins, I take Chase, and then probably probably Boyd. And then to me, it's that, that second-slash-third Bengals receiver with OBJ, like – uh, do you, you said you take like OBJ over Chase if we're talking upside still? Oh, I, I, I think you're adding in more receivers there. <laughs> Ty said to rank T Higgins, Chase Claypool, OBJ, and Mark Andrews. <laughs> oh yeah, all right, man. I just I like the Bengals always one, but it's just a uh, tough one. Yeah, no, I, I it was I just I think OBJ has target volume and everything uh i think he has the highest upside there and that's that's why i'd take him no fair enough and now do you see them being more kind of run focused uh the browns yeah yeah for sure i i think they're gonna be uh they they were one of the highest run rates of uh any team last year i i don't see them changing um at all that it's going to be lots lots of chub mixed in with a little hunt and uh they are going to run the ball all over a lot of people this year i think i like nick chubb as well at his adp right now highest ranked player in this whole division i would imagine in fantasy football circles um, what do you guys think of the running backs then? If we do, if we leave him out of it, cause Chubb would probably be first on that list. What about Najee, Joe Mixon and JK Dobbins? How would you rank those guys for 2021? Go ahead. Ellis. Yeah. Well, for me, once again, call me home if you want. I got Mixon at my, at my RB 10. He's my top of the next bit. Uh, I think a big part is just usage. Uh, in the point in the games he played, he was third in uh, attempts per game. Like at, by the end of the season, if you just take the per game, he was third. He was getting worked. You lose GOB. He's going to be the pass catching back now too. Hopefully they're on the two minute drills, which always kind of frustrated. I love GOB. Frustrated me to see him. I love Chris Evans and Puka. 
<laughs> oh, I do like Chris Evans. I, I love the hair too. Have you seen his hair? It's pretty great. Oh yeah, uh, he's a bad boy too. Kicked out of Jim Clayton Urkel love mixed. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then my my next would be Harris. I'd be throwing Harris. He's my RB fourteen, and I think a big part is that I'm worried about that Steelers O line. And trust me, as a Bengals fan, I've seen battle lines. I actually think it's kind of a lot like Mixon, like the previous few years. Yeah, like we you know, know the Bengals gonna... O line's worse than the Steelers, right? <laughs> Oh, no, no, I know it is, but I just, I also don't think Ben has had to play with a bad O-line in a long time. And plus he's getting older. You add in Harris. I love Harris as a person too, but he looks awesome. But I, I just think I have him lower than Mixon because I'm worried about that O-line. I think it's going to be kind of like Mixon previously where it's like, you know, where is your ceiling with a battle line? Our line, I like to think it's gotten better. We got our first round picks coming back. We got, we added some more in free agency so I like to think our line's getting better, but that's kind of where I'm at with Harris, leaving Dobbins at my RB17. And the thing is, is he just doesn't pass catch. And if I'm playing half PPR or anything, the upside's there. Maybe he gets 14 touchdowns and he finishes ahead. If he doesn't, I find that hard to believe. And I believe the last one he said was Hunt. He's my RB23. He might squeak into the RB2 conversation because he just. Yeah, I didn't even throw Hunt in this, but I think Hunt's interesting. Like, once you're past that running back dead zone, like you're looking at Gaskins, Davis, if Cream Hunt's on the board there, you're probably looking at Cream Hunt for sure. Um, Do you have Dobbins third as well, Brian? I want to ask you that first because that's I do as well. We could all agree on that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I have Dobbins third, but I do have, and it's not a Homer thing. uh, I love Mixon. That was one of my first tweets uh this year was looking at the adp just saying that Mixon is yeah way but he's moved up but yeah yeah i i I think everybody's been following my tweets so (laughs) totally up in adp uh but yeah when i sent out that tweet uh a while ago he was at like rb21 i told everybody fuck go get this guy in dynasty right now before he got injured last year he was he was handling a huge workload. You know, no one else was getting the touches. I, th- I think he was like number three in touches or something. But especially, yeah, like the first few games, they were still using Geo, even in two-minute drills and stuff. Uh, yeah. But those last few games, right before he got injured, they started heaping the pass catching on mixing. Because I yeah. think, I, I really don't know yet. I haven't really solidified that opinion and projections are what are going to be the tipping balance between Joe Mixon and Nashe. I think they're clearly in that same tier where I really like both players too. Like they're both big targets of mine. I'm taking both in the second round of my, of my fantasy drafts. I, um, where it just it comes, comes down from- to the pass catching. Who's going to catch more passes? Because I think we could give Najee the rushing touchdowns over Mixon. And then if you want, just for friendliness, we could give Mixon the situation over Najee in its entirety. Like we could say Mixon's in a slightly better position than Najee. Um, but we could say Najee is probably likely to score more touchdowns than Mixon, I think, even though Mixon's been, you know, among the league leaders since coming into the league in goal line touches. But uh, I think Dobbins is a clear three there. And I think this is one that I'm going to just bow out of until I do projections. Yeah, I I think, like you said, it all comes down to that pass catching. Even if you gave Mixon and Najee the same amount of touchdowns, I think what we've seen from the past with the Steelers, they are not shy about checking it down to the, the running back. You've seen Ben do that over the years. It wasn't as prevalent last year uh, with how the offense was running, but, you know, We've seen it in the past. We don't know how it's all going to 
fall in place right now with uh, Matt Canada, but I can see them going back to keeping him relevant and a little bit ahead with that extra pass catching aspect. And we, he's one of the best pass catchers in this class coming out, if not the best. You know, even at two hundred and thirty pounds, the guy. Well, that's I mean, if we if we everything. say pound for pound, he is easily, uh, inarguably, the best pass catcher in this class. I yeah. think. For sure. Like as much as ATN is going to be used as a pass catcher, I don't even know if he is a better pass catcher than Najee. He's Harris. a wide receiver. I know. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kenny Gainwell might be too. He's the other only other yeah. guy who would even enter that discussion. I think. R.I.P. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was looking at some of my old best ball shares and it's like Chuba, Kenny Galladay, pre-draft pre best balls. will get you, but lots of Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin and all that. <laughs> oh. So, you know, we are at one hour and 45 minutes here and I think I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk off air here, but I just want to thank everybody. Thank you so much, Ellis. Thank you, Brian. Um, you know, I want to know first, let's go to you, Ellis. Like, what are you working on? What What do you got big coming up uh, in, in the next, in the next few weeks here? Uh, and what are kind of your goals as you're in this part of the off season headed towards training camps? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. It, it's great to finally be on the pod with y'all. Uh, you know, I, I keep seeing everything in the group chat and it always just makes me jealous. So I'm glad to finally be here. I've been dying to get you on. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, hopefully, hopefully I uh, did it justice. So, and hopefully you'll have me again. Uh, but yeah, for what I'm working on right now, just doing some player outlooks, looking at my projections. Uh, I'm actually still doing my master's um, in Kines right now. So just like working on that and kind of having fantasy football on the back burner, unfortunately. Uh, but the one article I'm really working on right now and I'm trying to perfect is I got a fantasy football and reality kind of article. that's trying to talk about the issues of domestic violence in the NFL and kind of has a as a fantasy manager, what Start are with your bangles? Well, exactly, and that's the thing is I hate. No, that's a, it's an interesting. Things. Yeah, like uh, sorry to cut in, but that, it's such an interesting topic because it is a handful of teams that really uh, I would say enable this behavior for for decades now. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm working on a piece, kind of just looking about it, and you know it is it is tough to look at, but especially with the Deshaun Watson news and everything. Uh, so I'm hoping to get that out this summer, and you know I'll, I'll let everyone know about that. For sure. And Bry Guy, always a pleasure. They can find uh, Ellis. What's your Twitter? Is it yo? It's Ellis underscore FF. Absolutely. You nailed it there, buddy. Cool. And Bry Guy at the FF Aviator, just the pilot. What are you yeah. working on? And uh, when are you going to do your first dynasty buy sell hold this year? Uh, I, like that. I like that series. The, last year. The dynasty, How are you going to do it this year? Yes. The dynasty radar will be out soon. I've been really busy the last little bit. Uh, I've been trying to find a little bit extra time, but with a whole bunch of uh, rookie drafts, startups, this <laughs> month is a little tight. So uh, look for it in June. Um, that's probably when the first Dynasty Radar will be out for the season. Um, stop drafting Joe Mixon high because he was going to be on there. Um, yeah. And, uh, watch out for my tweets. I've been a little bit, uh, off of the Twitter sphere lately, uh, just with work and uh, everything else going on, but, uh, I'll be in and out. I love it. And, uh, both you guys, honestly, just opinions that I love to, uh, bounce ideas off of all the time in the chat and everything. So just, uh, 
Thanks so much for joining me, guys, and thanks everybody out there for listening. You can find us at True North FFB on Twitter, and make sure you are subscribed to thefantasypoints.com as well. We are a proud member of the Fantasy Points Media Group. Until next time.